1: Anybody can do good deeds when you're treated fairly. But the question, and this whole text is about this, is can you do good when you're treated unfairly? Well, think about our nation today, where we would be if we could just get this one point, this one principle. Can you do good when you're treated unfairly?
0: No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message.
1: I want to begin by asking you this question. Have you ever wished that you could shut somebody up? That's a dangerous question, isn't it? Silence is especially enjoyed after you've been harassed, beat up on, vilified and criticized when the whole world seems out to get you. You just want it all to stop. And that is the situation in northern Turkey. For Christians, when Peter wrote this letter, the first letter, 1 Peter, the Christians were constantly being maligned, by critics, slanderers, distractors. And if you look at the title of the message uh, in your sermon notes, Peter is letting them know that they have a secret weapon that will silence all the critics and silence all the cynics. And we're going to look at that secret weapon today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we want to look specifically... At verse 11 and 12. Everybody say 11 and 12. If you miss these two verses, you really don't even understand uh, the rest of the chapter and part of the next. And so, verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you, which means this is very, very important, all right? I urge you, as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul now he's making the point this is one of three that are going to help you understand the next couple of chapters and here's the first point every believer is to be an advertisement for christianity every single believer especially uh, if you're here or whatever campus you're attending today you're watching online or on television every believer is to be an advertisement for Christianity as a Christian who lives in this world we are to abstain from sinful desires in other words you're to live in such a way that honors God you're not supposed to sin I want to say that again you're not supposed to sin you're not supposed to be like the world you're supposed to be pure You're supposed to stand out. You're supposed to be an advertisement, almost like a billboard, for Christianity. Now, we have two temptations as believers. One is that we want to be confined. And that means we like to just huddle together with other Christians. We don't want anyone in the world even to get near us, just ourselves. You know, it's kind of like uh, we're like a Christian ghetto is what we are. And we just kind of hide in these walls, and we don't, we don't want to be tainted by the world. And so that's one of our temptations is that we just huddle together all the time, right? But then we have a second temptation. You see, he needs us. I, I, let, me, let me look at this verse first, John 17, verse 15. Jesus said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from what? The evil one. He needs us here to be the salt and light. He needs us here, not inside our little Christian ghetto. He needs us out in the world so that we can set a good example. And that leads me to the second temptation. And that is that we all of a sudden are conformed to the world. We all of a sudden start living like the world lives. We start to fit in, to go along with the crowd. We start engaging in the sins that the world Is engaged with that's the problem with sin sin not only taints my heart not only does it taint me makes me impure but what it does is it hinders our ability to witness it hinders our testimony we're not to confine ourselves and to be just alone we're to be out in the world but we're not to conform to this world We're to abstain from sinful desires. And it's like a war. I love that. I'm glad he put that in there because it's like a war. Every day, the world is trying to get me to go along with its system. And I battle every day. You battle every day. It's a war. But we're to abstain from sinful desires, which leads to the second principle, to silence the critics. He wants you to know that your walk carries more weight than your talk. It's, not, it's, not, it's okay that you put a, a bumper sticker on your car that says, I love Jesus. That's good. It's okay to put Bible verses on your Instagram post. That's a good thing to do. But what he wants you to know, that the way you live your life speaks volumes instead of just the words that you speak. And that's when you come to verse 12. Pay attention. Live such good lives... Among the what? Let me tell you, all of Los Angeles, they're all pagans. And we are to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you, Christians, of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that He visits us or the day that He returns. Instead of engaging in sin, and, and being conformed to the world and just going along with what everybody else is doing. Instead, live such pure lives, such good lives, that even the pagans that accuse you of things, that they just stand back and they stand in awe of God when they see the way you live your life. Three times in the next few verses, and it's in a little box there, 1 Peter 2.12, 1 Peter 2.15, 1 Peter 3.11, he talks about doing good, doing good, doing good, doing good. Just keep doing good. And this is an important thing to note. It's not that you're supposed to do good so you can earn your way into heaven because you're already saved. You're on your way to heaven, amen? Amen. But the reason he wants you to keep doing good is that when you do good, that's what speaks to the hearts of those who do not know Jesus Christ. The world is constantly watching us. The world is constantly vilifying us. They don't trust us. They laugh at us. They mock us. They think that we're all a bunch of hypocrites. Don't you see that your walk, the way we live, is far more important than what we talk about? Our walk carries more weight than our talk. Amen. The world, the world is watching us. And some people never, ever become a Christian because they've never actually ever met a Christian and some people never ever become a Christian because they have met a Christian but their inconsistent life just says I don't want to have anything to do with that and Peter is saying if you want to make a difference even among the pagans you live your life in such a way that even when they accuse you of doing wrong that they will see your good deeds and they will glorify your God on the day he returns your walk and the way you live your life will have the biggest impact no matter how much the world speaks hatred about us. We need to just keep doing good. Amen? Amen. And number three, and this is going to be difficult, but the most difficult walk to refute is the submissive walk. The most difficult walk to refute is the submissive walk. What do most of us do when we're mistreated? What do most of us do when we get picked on? The popular response is, I don't get mad, I get even. That's what most of us do. Now, the word submission is not a word, a popular word in today's culture. In fact, it's a word that most people just simply do not like, and yet, it's what we are called to do and to be. The reason we don't like the word submission is because we don't fully understand that word. I want you to write this down in your notes. The word submission means to align under in orderly fashion. It does not mean inferior. It just means to align in order, under, in orderly fashion, okay? If I had to get-together at my house and... You uh, came up to my house, and I had a little uh, eight-year-old girl out front, and she, you pulled into the driveway, and she said, excuse me, could you please park in the street, because the people delivering the food need to get into the driveway. At that point, you have to decide who's in charge. You're the eight-year-old girl, and I don't care who you are. Uh, that little girl uh, is now in charge of who parks in that driveway, amen? And it's not that you're inferior to her or that she's inferior to you. It's just that there's an order of things. To submit does not mean you're inferior. It means that you have a respect for God's order. God wants order in the world. He wants order in the nations. He wants order in your home, in your marriage. God wants order in the church. And when you are submitting yourself, you're putting yourself voluntarily and to a position to serve someone so that God will be glorified. So here's, a, here's another definition of the word submission. I want you to write this down. It means to align yourself under in orderly fashion as per the Lord's design. Because the Bible talks repeatedly about different designs that God has for the church, for our lives, for our homes, for our marriages... And for uh, the world. And in all of these areas, he talks about submitting. And first, he talks about citizens who live under a king or under authority, under rulers. And he says, he says that we as citizens are to respect, to honor, submit to our governing authorities and uh you say well he wouldn't say that if he lived in our country today oh yes he would oh yes he would because the man who was king when he wrote this was Nero and Nero at the time of this book was written was persecuting and actually killing Christians and Peter himself will eventually be killed by Nero, and so will the Apostle Paul. And yet he writes here that the citizens are to respect and to submit to their authorities because God is a God of order, all right? Now That does not mean that we cannot stand up for injustice. It does not mean that if the government asks us to do something that goes against God's word, that we have to go along with the government, all right? That's not what this means. Peter himself was ordered in the book of Acts, you are to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. And Peter said, "Uh, uh, you can tell me that all day long, but I will always uh, preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And even though they arrested him and he was threatened again and again, he kept preaching. And so there is a time to stand up uh, for biblical principles. Can someone say amen? And then he has a thing in here, a whole section that many people understand about servants who are to honor their masters or their their uh, their rulers. And it's it's very difficult to understand unless you go and really study all the history of it. But during the time of Rome, one third of all the citizens, one third of the entire Roman Empire, were slaves. You say, well, how's that? Well, it was not based on the color of the skin; it was based on the fact that they had conquered they were trying to conquer the world, and whenever they conquered another area, those people would become their slaves. And so some people struggle uh, that the Bible in this text, this passage, does not condemn slavery. Many people in Rome voluntarily uh, became house servants because in Rome. There was a differential between the rich and the poor. There was no middle class. You were either really, really rich or you were really, really poor. And the poor people would sign up to be maids or servants. Uh, they were allowed to have real jobs and to have land, be it to own, to own land. It's not like what we think today. So there's a whole section in there on that. There's another section on wives being submissive to their husbands. Peter says that a woman, if you're married to a man and he's not even a believer, that you can win your husband to the Lord Jesus Christ without words and without being dressed up in fine jewelry, but you can win your husband to the Lord just by your unfading beauty of a gentle spirit. And so there's a lot of good things there. And then there's a section for husbands in regards to your wives. Uh, The Bible says that God won't even answer your prayers as a husband. God will not even answer your prayers if you're not showing respect and graciousness towards your wife. So again, as you go through all this, I just want to say this. The purpose of submitting in all of those areas is to be so kind and so servant-hearted and so Christ-like that God is glorified And that the gospel can change that person's life that you are submitting to. And verse 15 says this, and this is kind of the key verse in these two chapters. For it is God's will, everybody say God's will. That by doing good, everybody say doing good. Here's your secret weapon. It is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men live in such a way that no matter how bad people talk about you no matter how bad people hate you no matter how bad people treat you no matter how bad people marginalize you you just keep serving you keep doing good you submit as god calls and god will be glorified you see after they meet you They should literally be blown away by your goodness and you will absolutely silence their slander just by your Christ-like deeds and your Christ-like attitudes. Write that down. By doing good, you can silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Anybody can do good deeds when you're treated fairly. But the question, and this whole text is about this, is can you do good when you're treated unfairly? Well, think about our nation today, where we would be if we could just get this one point, this one principle. Can you do good when you're treated unfairly? Now, don't tune me out. I want you to go and read verse 21. I want to I show you a couple of things. Verse 21 to this you were called because Christ suffered for you peter says to christians who are suffering being persecuted and he's telling them hey keep doing good even though even though they're you're being persecuted you keep doing good to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his He, Jesus, committed no sin, yet no deceit was found in his mouth. In verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, He had trusted Himself to Him who judges justly. And you need to know that when you're being mistreated, that you don't have to settle the score. You just keep doing good. And one day that person who's mistreating you, God will settle the score with that person. And don't forget this. Peter was the same guy. It's the same guy. Back when Jesus was arrested... He was the one that took out the sword. He said, if you're going to mess with us, you're going to have a fight on your hands. And he actually took the sword and he cut off one of the soldier's ear. And the Lord said, Peter, put your sword away. That's not what we, that's not how we as Christians do things. And Jesus willingly went to the cross. He never really even opened his mouth. And he died. He died. And Peter could never get that out of his mind. He could never get... Look at verse 23 one more time. He was there. He was ready to fight. But he says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Peter finally got the lesson. And then he says these two verses. Verse 24. He himself... He bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been what? For you were all like sheep that had gone astray. But you have returned to the shepherd. And what he's saying is this. Oh, don't lose this. You wouldn't even be saved here today. If Jesus hadn't gone to that cross, he could have called angels and struck all those soldiers down, and he could have never been nailed to that tree, but he willingly went. He never retaliated. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And he willingly dies on that cross. Why? Just so you and I, a bunch of pagan people, could be saved. And the point is, now that we're saved, When people mistreat us, if we retaliate, they're never going to find Christ. But when we do good to people, they got a chance to be saved. Because when they see how we handle things, how we're cool and collective and nothing bothers us, and we love you no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what's in this culture, I'm going to love you anyway, and I'm going to do good deeds, and I'm going to serve you and help you find life in Jesus Christ... You see, if we retaliate, they're never going to find Jesus. But if we do what he's telling us in this text, they will find Christ.
0: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. we have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Broken-hearted, anxious, or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus Ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number That number again is 888-818-4777 You can also get God has an app for that on our website liftupjesus.com That address again is liftupjesus.com Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book God has an app for that today.